All right, well, allow me to add my word of welcome to you all. It is a pleasure to be worshiping with you this morning here at Trinity Galewood. Uh, my name is Nick Price. I am one of the pastors at Trinity. Um, I'm normally at uh, Trinity Kimberly Way out in Lyle, but uh, I'm excited that I get to be with you all this morning as we are kicking off a brand new series that we are calling Visions of Hope, in which we are going to be looking at the book of Ezekiel. Now, uh, Ezekiel is probably one of the weirdest books in the entire Bible, all right? It is filled with extremely strange images, and in it we encounter a man uh, who's a prophet of God, but he's less a preacher and more of a performance artist, okay? Ezekiel was like the David Blaine of his day, all right? He would go out onto street corners and perform these dramatic displays and then speak to the people about all that God had revealed to him. And as a result, oftentimes we don't even want to touch this book when we're going through our Bibles. We're like, Genesis, cool, Exodus, I know that one. I saw a movie about it one time. We get to Ezekiel, like, skip it, go to Jesus, and we move on. But one of the things that I love about the book of Ezekiel and what we are going to see as we move through this book is that although strange at first, this is a book that is filled with visions of hope, words of encouragement given to God's people. And so I think it's only right that before we dive into our first passage in Ezekiel, we allow God to prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the message that he has for us. So would you please bow your heads and pray together with me? Lord God, we do indeed give you thanks that you have gathered us together as your people, that we have this opportunity now to come before your word and to learn from you. And Lord, as we do so, we pray that you would help us to see how these visions of hope that were given to Ezekiel were not just for him and for his time, but they are for us here now. And so, Lord, we pray that you would guide us, and I pray that the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So I want to start by acknowledging that the book of Ezekiel actually starts in a really depressing spot, a very depressing spot, which is almost missed by us as modern readers. The book begins with these words, Ezekiel says, in my 30th year, in the fourth month on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the river Kibar, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Now that one line doesn't mean a whole lot to us today, but back then, if you were somebody who was a contemporary of Ezekiel's and you heard that, you would immediately realize that Ezekiel is not in a place that he anticipated being. And the reason why is because Ezekiel was born a Levite and was destined to become a priest in the temple in Jerusalem. All right, and, and what that means is that if you actually start to do a little bit of the math, he was actually born in the year in which the people of Israel experienced a huge religious revival. He was born in the year that the king Josiah discovered God's word, God's law in the temple. You see, God's own people had forgotten about his own word. They lost the scriptures. And the year that Ezekiel was born was the year that they actually find the book of the law in the temple. And Josiah begins to bring about all these amazing reforms. He ends up getting rid of the idols that the people have been worshiping. He inaugurates a season of justice for his people. He restores and rebuilds the temple. And they're worshiping their God the way they were always supposed to in the land that God had promised them. 
But by the time Ezekiel becomes a young man, things have turned for the worst. In fact, by the time he was 17, there were prophets starting to speak to God's people words of warning. They were saying, hey, don't forget the graciousness and the love of your God. Remember, he's your God, you're his people. And yet, the kings at that point had started to not listen. They'd shut their ears to the prophets. In fact, the words of the prophet Jeremiah were actually ceremonially burned in the temple. And Ezekiel was probably there watching it all happen. And as Israel continued to kind of fall into this downward spiral, what eventually ended up happening was that the nation of Babylon came against them in war and God didn't deliver them. God actually ended up taking his people into exile. We actually read that at that time, the officers of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, advanced on Jerusalem and laid siege to it. And many of the people, including those of the priestly families, were carried off in chains to Babylon, and that would have included Ezekiel. But here's where it gets even more tragic. You see, the time in which somebody who'd been preparing to become a priest, the day that they would have been installed as a priest in the temple would have been on their 30th birthday. And here we read, in my 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day, I was among the exiles by the river Kabar. You see what Ezekiel is saying is he's saying, my entire life, everything that I had been planning for, every hope and expectation and dream that I'd been clinging to was gone. On the day in which I should have been celebrating, I find myself far from my home, far from my family, with the job that I thought I was going to have in the dust, in the dirt. He's far away from Jerusalem, his home city. He's far away from the temple where he expected to serve. And in his mind, all that means is that he's actually far away from the God who had called him. All of his hopes, all of his dreams, all of his expectations have been pounded into dust and rubble. That's where we find this guy on his 30th birthday, in one of the lowest moments anyone could ever have experienced. Forcibly taken from his home, separated from his loved ones, bound in chains, his calling and his life's purpose nowhere to be found. And it would have been very, very tempting in that moment for Ezekiel to give up hope. Because that's what happens when difficult times come, doesn't it? We start to wonder, what did I do wrong? Does God still love me? Does God still have a purpose for me? Well, why am I here? Why would he let me go through all of this? Why does he feel so far away? In moments of pain and disappointment and hardship, we, like Ezekiel, often feel like God has abandoned us. That's where this book begins. Which is why I think it's such an appropriate book for us today. Because I think that there are times and moments that come along where suddenly we feel like every expectation, every hope and dream that we had are suddenly snatched from us and we begin to wonder, where is God? I don't know about what maybe that expectation or that hope is for you. 
Maybe it was that dream job. Maybe you thought this job was going to work out, that this is exactly what you would need in order to provide for yourself and for your family. Maybe you saw it as kind of that next rung on the ladder that was going to get you to, to that place where you would finally have security and stability. And finally, it all dissolves and crumbles away. Maybe it was that relationship that you were looking for that you thought, I finally found the one who's going to love me, who can be with me. And suddenly that relationship was gone. Maybe it's the loss of a family member or a friend. Someone that you cherished who's now no longer with us. Maybe somebody told you 2020 and 2021 were going to be the year where it was all going to happen. Well, a lot happens, but maybe not the way that we expected. And here we are having to wear masks again. Maybe it's that that pastor that you loved, who is a Cubs fan, suddenly felt called by God to become a Cardinals fan and moved to St. Louis. A little too soon? But that's what exile feels like, right? Just when we think things are going so well, just when we think the plants are coming together, it all begins to fall apart. We wonder, well, what's next? How could this possibly be God's plan? Where do we turn to for hope? These are very real things that we struggle with as we move through life as we find ourselves in moments of disappointment. And yet, what ends up happening next blows Ezekiel's mind. Because as he sits there by the side of that river, suddenly he looks and he sees an incredible vision. A violent storm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. And in the center of the fire that looked like glowing metal, there were four living creatures. In the appearance, their form was human, but each of them had four faces and four wings. And as he looks at these creatures, as they fly toward him, he realized that they are surrounded by wheels. And above their wings in a vault is a platform, and on the platform is a throne, and on the throne is one who radiates with light and flame. And in that moment, Ezekiel, as he's trying to just take it all in, as he's trying to wrap his head around what he's encountering, he finally comes up with these words. He says, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. You see, this vision that he suddenly has is a vision that's been talked about throughout the Bible. It's a vision that actually Moses encounters on the mountain when he, after he leads the people to freedom out of Egypt. And suddenly the glory of the Lord comes down in fire and flames and lightning and dark cloud and thunder. It's a vision that Aaron would have seen when they, when they built the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant was placed there. And suddenly the glory of the Lord comes down and fills the tabernacle. It's, a, it's the vision Solomon would have seen when they dedicated the temple. It's the vision Isaiah himself encountered when he was worshiping. It's the glory of the Lord that goes with his people. And yet... It's not where everyone expects it to be. Ezekiel looks up and he expects, and what he sees is, is what he expected to encounter in the temple back in Jerusalem. And yet, that's not where God's glory is. Where is it? It's here. It's in Babylon. It's in exile with him. And it totally blows his mind. He hears this voice beginning to speak to him. 
And you can almost imagine Ezekiel sitting there by the river on his 30th birthday when he expected to be installed as a priest in the temple in Jerusalem, wondering, God, what are you doing here? But that's exactly what God then goes on to explain to him. God takes him in a vision back to Jerusalem. He says, I want to show you what's happening in the house that's called by my name. And as he takes Ezekiel back, what they end up encountering, what they end up seeing in these chapters between chapter 2 and chapter 11 is all the ways in which the people have actually abandoned their God. God actually takes Ezekiel on a little bit of a, a tour of the temple grounds. And what they find is that inside the temple, people have set up idols to other gods. That in the temple courtyards, they've erected huge statues. That they're sacrificing and offering up incense and burnt offerings to the gods of the other nations. The gods of, of sex and money and power. The gods of warfare and prosperity. They're offering up all these things. And actually, God tells Ezekiel, this is what they've been saying. He says, son of man, have you seen what the elders of Israel are doing in the darkness, each at the shrine of his, own, of his own idol? They say, the Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. Again, the Lord said, you will see them doing things that are even more detestable than this. You see, what had happened was God's own people had their own plans. And as a result, they ended up following their own gods. God's own people had their own plans, and as a result, they ended up following other gods. They ended up looking at the nations around them, nations that seemed to be prosper, uh, prosperous, nations that seemed to be doing well, nations that were at the top of their game, at the top of military might, at the top of the economic ladder, and they're saying, you know what? If we just had that, maybe things would be a little bit better. They looked at their own circumstances and said, you know what? I don't really think God is, is blessing us the way we thought he would. And as a result, they start to follow the other gods around them. And again, this is where I think this book is so important for us because in moments when life seems uncertain, what do we do? Well, we grasp for things that we think will give us stability. When life isn't going well, we start to look for things that we think are going to provide us with comfort, with love with support, with security, with respect, with power. We all have kind of our temptation. Maybe it's to look to a, a romantic relationship. Maybe it's to pursue that next great job and get that corner office. Maybe it's wealth and the comfort of material things. Maybe it's the applause. We live for the applause, the applause, the applause. Thank you, Lady Gaga. Maybe it's because we got our own plan. We got our five-year plan that we're pursuing. Maybe that's the thing that we think, if that's just on track, everything else is going to be fine. Whatever it is, what God says, it's not going to satisfy the way that you think that it will. That ultimately, what will end up happening is your plans will become the ends which will justify any means. And he says, and look, they're going to do even more detestable things than that. It's a road and it's a path that although it promises big things, it's one degree off from God's promises. And as a result, it ultimately leads down a path that will not satisfy you. And God says, this is the reason that I've left. It's not that, they have, that I've abandoned them. It's that they abandoned me. They turned their backs on me. And then something incredible happens. That as God and Ezekiel are taking their little tour of the temple grounds, this is what takes place next. He says, 
that then the cherubim with the wheels beside them spread their wings and the glory of the Lord of Israel was above them. The glory of the Lord went up from within the city and stopped above the mountain to the east of it. The spirit lifted me up and brought me to the exiles in Babylonia in the vision given me by the spirit of God. See, what God is saying is like, they've abandoned me. I haven't abandoned them. So you know where I'm going? I'm going to my people in exile. Because what's to the east of Jerusalem? Babylon. And what's there? God's people. God is telling Ezekiel, look, Ezekiel, I know it looks like your plans and your dreams have all fallen apart, but that doesn't mean that you're outside of my plans and my purposes for you. Because where else would I be but in exile with my people? Where else would I go but to draw close to the people who are called by my name? I don't live in houses. I live in hearts. I don't get trapped within four walls, but I move to wherever my people are, wherever I have sent them. My promise is that I will be with you wherever you go, wherever you are scattered. That is my promise to you. That's why the glory of the Lord is there in Babylon, not Jerusalem. And God is telling Ezekiel, don't look back there. But see what I'm doing right here, right now, in your midst. You see, what's so amazing, as you look through the whole story of the Bible, is how this is what God always does. That when his people find themselves out of their league, with the waters over their heads, in places that they would not have chosen of their own accord, he goes there and rescues them. That when they find themselves slaves in Egypt, he comes down with a mighty hand, delivers them through the waters. That when they find themselves wandering in wilderness places, he goes before them in a pillar of fire and smoke to lead them. And here, when they find themselves in exile in Babylon, his glory comes to them to deliver them. See, one of the things that's just so crazy about exile is that We have a God who's not afraid of exile. A God who goes into exile with his people. And actually what he tells them is he says, although this is not your plan, although that it looks like life is falling apart all around you, this is exactly where I want you to be. Because it's here that I'm going to do my work in you. It's here that I'm going to take what looks like your end and I'm simply going to turn it into a new beginning. Listen to these words. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Although I sent them far away among the nations and scattered them among the countries, yet for a little while I have been a sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. I will gather you from the nations and bring you back from the countries where you have been scattered. I will give you back the land of Israel again. They will return to it and remove all of its vile images and detestable idols. I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. And then they will follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws and they will be my people and I will be their God. God says, even in the midst of your exile, I am doing something new within you. For you are mine. 
that this crucible, which you thought was your end, is simply the place of your refining because I myself will come and lead you out. And what's so crazy is, is that this is just who our God is. Ultimately, what this vision that God gives to Ezekiel is only a foretaste of what he ultimately comes to do. That we who live in this world that breaks promises and shatters dreams, God enters in and says, I myself will be with you. We worship a God who did not stand on his throne in heaven, but rather was willing to leave his own palace and enter into our darkness. A God who, though he is wreathed in flames of fire and light, enters into places of shadow in order to rescue those who find themselves in the darkest of valleys. A God who ultimately becomes flesh and dwells among his people who walks alongside us, who speaks words of comfort to us, who lays hands of healing upon us, who ultimately goes to a cross and dies for us, and then walks out of the tomb once more. And says, that is the deliverance that I have come to bring to you. We worship a God who's not afraid of exile. A God who's not discouraged when the world's plans don't work out the way we think. We worship a God who tells us that I have overcome everything you could possibly face. That even death and the tomb are nothing to me. And because of that, you who, called, who are called by my name can know that I am with you. I will lead you. I will give you hope when it seems like all other hope has faded. And I will lead you into a new dawn, a new purpose, if you would but follow me. That's the very first vision that God gives to Ezekiel. And as we move through the rest of the series, we're going to see that it's, you know, it's just the beginning. Because what we see is we encounter a God who is the one who ultimately loves us far deeper than we could possibly imagine. A God who is our shepherd who will defend us in life's most difficult seasons. A God who breathes life into us when we feel like we've got nothing else left. And a God who promises that one day he will come again and make everything new. That's a God who's with us here now. That's a God who's with you in whatever season you find yourself in. It's a God of Ezekiel, the God of Moses the God of Abraham, the God who is Jesus, Emmanuel with us. And it's in his name that we pray. Lord, we give you thanks that no matter where we find ourselves, your promise is that you will be with us. You will go with us even into the darkest moments, that there is no place that we can be scattered where you are not willing to pursue us. And Lord, we pray that that would be something that truly does give us hope provides us with encouragement and helps us to place our trust in you. May we know that, that no matter where you, uh, we go, you are there. And may that provide us comfort in all of life's seasons. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.